So Babylonia year week 36, beginning at day 246. And again, as we begin this week, we go simply, plainly through uh, and continue through Ezekiel, beginning at chapter 45, verse 1, and through to chapter 47, verse 12 today. When you divide the land by lot as an inheritance, you must set aside a donation to the Lord, a holy portion of the land, eight and one-third miles long and six and two-third miles wide. This entire tract of land will be holy. In this area there will be a square section for the sanctuary, 875 by 875 feet, with 87 and a half feet of open space all around it. From this holy portion you will measure off an area eight and one-third miles long, and three and one-third miles wide, in which the sanctuary, the most holy place, will stand. It will be a holy area of the land to be used by the priests who minister in the sanctuary, who draw near to serve the Lord. It will be a place for their houses as well as a holy area for the sanctuary. There will be another area eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide for the Levites who minister in the temple. It will be their possession for towns to live in. As the property of the city, you must set aside an area one and two-thirds of a mile wide and eight and one-third miles long, adjacent to the holy donation of land. It will be for the whole house of Israel. And the prince will have the area on each side of the holy donation of land in the city's property, adjacent to the holy donation and the city's property, stretching to the west and the west side and to the east on the east side. Its length will correspond to one of the tribal portions from the west boundary to the eastern boundary, This will be his land as a possession, Israel. My princes will no longer oppress my people, but give the rest of the land to the house of Israel according to their tribes. This is what the Lord God says. You have gone too far, princes of Israel. Put away violence and oppression and do what is just and right. Put an end to your evictions of my people. This is the declaration of the Lord God. You must have honest balances, an honest dry measure and an honest liquid measure. The dry measure and the liquid measure will be uniform, with the liquid measure containing five and a half gallons and the dry measure holding half a bushel. Their measurement will be one-tenth of the standard larger capacity measure. The shekel will weigh 20 geras. Your mina will equal 60 shekels. This is the contribution you are to offer. Three quarts from five bushels of wheat and three quarts from five bushels of barley. The quota of oil in liquid measures will be one percent of every core. The core equals 10 liquid measures or one standard larger capacity measure, since 10 liquid measures equals one standard larger capacity measure. And the quota from the flock is one animal out of every 200 from the well-watered pastures of Israel. These are for the grain offerings, burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to make atonement for the people. This is the declaration of the Lord God. All the people of the land must take part in this contribution for the prince in Israel. Then the burnt offerings, grain offerings and drink offerings for the festivals, new moons and sabbaths, for all the appointed times of the house of Israel, will be the prince's responsibility. He will provide the sin offerings, grain offerings, burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to make atonement on behalf of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. In the first month and the first day of the month, you are to take a young unblemished bull and purify the sanctuary. The priest must take some of the blood from the sin offering and apply it to the temple doorposts, the four corners of the altar's ledge, and the doorposts of the gate to the inner court. 
You must do the same thing on the seventh day of the month for everyone who sins unintentionally or through ignorance. In this way you will make atonement for the temple. In the first month and the fourteenth day of the month you are to celebrate the Passover, a festival of seven days during which unleavened bread will be eaten. On that day the prince will provide a bull as a sin offering on behalf of himself and all the people of the land. During the seven days of the festival he will provide seven bulls and seven rams without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord on each of the seven days, along with a male goat each day for a sin offering. He will also provide a grain offering of half a bushel per bull and half a bushel per ram, along with a gallon of oil for every half bushel. At the festival that begins on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, he will provide the same things for seven days, the same sin offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, and oil. This is what the Lord God says. The gate of the inner court that faces east must be closed during the six days of work, but it will be opened on the Sabbath day and opened on the day of the new moon. The prince should enter from the outside by way of the gate's portico and stand at the doorpost of the gate, while the priest sacrifices burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He will bow and worship at the threshold of the gate and then depart, but the gate must not be closed until evening. The people of the land will also bow and worship before the Lord at the entrance of that gate on the Sabbaths and new moons. The burnt offering that the prince presents to the Lord on the Sabbath day is to be six unblemished lambs and an unblemished ram. The grain offering will be half a bushel with the ram and the grain offering with the lambs will be whatever he wants to give, as well as a gallon of oil for every half bushel. On the day of the new moon, the burnt offering is to be a young, unblemished bull, as well as six lambs and a ram without blemish. He will provide a grain offering of half a bushel with the bull, half a bushel with the ram and whatever he can afford with the lambs, together with a gallon of oil for every half bushel. When the prince enters, he must go in by way of the gate's portico and go out the same way. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed times, whoever enters by way of the north gate... To worship must go out by way of the south gate, and whoever enters by way of the south gate must go out by the way of the north gate. No one must return through the gate by which he entered, but must go out by the opposite gate. When the people enter, the prince will enter with them, and when they leave, he will leave. At the festivals and appointed times, a grain offering will be half a bushel with the bull, half a bushel with the ram, and whatever he wants to give with the lambs, along with a gallon of oil for every half bushel. When the prince makes a freewill offering, whether a burnt offering or a fellowship offering as a freewill offering to the Lord, the gate that faces east must be opened for him. He is to offer his burnt offering or fellowship offering just as he does on the Sabbath day. Then he will go out and the gate must be closed after he leaves. You must offer an unblemished year old male lamb as a daily burnt offering to the Lord. You will offer it every morning. You must also prepare a grain offering every morning along with it, three quarts with one third of a gallon of oil to moisten the fine flour, a grain offering to the Lord. This is a permanent statue to be observed regularly. They will offer the lamb, the grain offering and the oil every morning as a regular burnt offering. This is what the Lord God says. If the prince gives a gift to each of his sons as their inheritance, it will belong to his sons. It will become their property by inheritance. But if he gives a gift from his inheritance to one of his servants, it will belong to that servant until a year of freedom, when it will revert to the prince. 
His inheritance belongs only to his sons, it is theirs. The prince must not take any of the people's inheritance, evicting them from their property. He is to provide an inheritance for his sons from his own property, so that none of my people will be displaced from his own property. Then he brought me through the entrance that was at the side of the gate into the priest's holy chambers which faced north. I saw a place there at the far western end. He said to me, This is the place where the priest will boil the restitution offering and the sin offering, and where they will beg the grain offering, so that they do not bring them into the outer court and transmit holiness to the people. Next he brought me into the outer court and led me past its four corners. There was a separate court in each of its four corners. In the four corners of the outer court there were enclosed courts, seventy feet long by fifty-two and a half feet wide. All four corners had that same dimensions. There was a stone wall around the inside of them, around the four of them with ovens built at the base of the walls on all sides. He said to me, These are the kitchens where those who minister at the temple will cook the people's sacrifices. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Next he brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced east. There the water was trickling from the south side. As a man went out east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my ankles. Then he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my knees. He measured off another third of a mile and led me through the water. It came up to my waist. Again he measured off a third of a mile and it was a river that I could not cross on foot. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in it, a river that could not be crossed on foot. He asked me, Do you see this, son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the river bank. He said to me, This water flows out to the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the river flows, and there will be a huge number of fish because the water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Engelam. These will become places where nets are spread out to dry. Their fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Yet its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be left for salt. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for medicine. And there we end, day 246. Day 247, and again we continue through Ezekiel. But as we go forward we also go back, but we begin at chapter 47 verse 13 through to chapter 48 verse 35. This is what the Lord God says. This is the border you will use to divide the land as an inheritance for the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph will receive two shares. You will inherit it an equal portion since I swore to give it to your ancestors. So this land will fall to you as an inheritance. This is to be the border of the land. 
this will test your geography also. On the north side it will extend from the Mediterranean Sea by way of Hethlon and Labu Hamath to Zedad, Barothath and Sibram, which is between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, as far as Hazar Hatakon, which is on the border of Harun. So the border will run from the sea to Hazar and on at the border of Damascus with a territory of Hamath to the north. This will be the northern side. On the east side it will run between Haran and Damascus, along the Jordan between Gilead and the land of Israel. You will measure from the northern border to the eastern sea. This will be the eastern side. On the south side it will run from Tamar to the waters of Meribath Kadesh and to the brook of Egypt as far as the Mediterranean Sea. This will be the southern side. On the west side the Mediterranean Sea will be the border from the southern border up to a point opposite Labu Hamath. This will be the western side. You are to divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. You will allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners living among you, who have fathered children among you. You will treat them like native-born Israelites. Along with you they will be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the foreigner lives, you will assign his inheritance there. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Now these are the names of the tribes, and contain your excitement. From the northern end along the road of Hethlon to Labu Hamath, as far as Hazar and on in the northern border of Damascus, along Hamath and extending from the eastern side to the sea will be Dan, one portion. Next to the territory of Dan, from the east side to the west will be Asher, one portion. Next to the territory of Asher, from the east side to the west, will be Naphtali, one portion. Next to the territory of Naphtali, from the east side to the west, will be Manasseh, one portion. Next to the territory of Manasseh, from the east side to the west, will be Ephraim, one portion. Next to the territory of Ephraim, from the east side to the west, will be Reuben, one portion. Next to the territory of Reuben, from the east side to the west, will be Judah, one portion. Next to the territory of Judah, from the east side to the west, will be the portion you donate to the Lord, eight and one-third miles wide, and as long as one of the tribal portions from the east side to the west. The sanctuary will be in the middle of it. The special portion you donate to the Lord will be eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide. This holy donation will be set apart for the priests alone. It will be eight and one-third miles long on the northern side, three and one-third miles wide on the western side three and one-third miles wide on the eastern side, and eight and one-third miles long on the southern side. The Lord's sanctuary will be in the middle of it. It is for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge and did not go astray as the Levites did when the Israelites went astray. It will be a special donation for them out of the holy donation of the land, a most holy place adjacent to the territory of the Levites. Next to the territory of the priests, the Levites will have an area eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide. The total length will be eight and one-third miles wide and the width three and one-third miles. They must not sell or exchange any of it and they must not transfer this choice part of the land for it is holy to the Lord. The remaining area, one and two-thirds of a mile wide and eight and one-third miles long, will be for common use by the city for both residential and open space. The city will be in the middle of it. These are the city's measurements. One and a half miles on the north side, one and a half miles on the south side, one and a half miles on the east side, and one and a half miles on the west side. 
The city's open space will extend 425 feet to the north, 425 feet to the south, 425 feet to the east, and 425 feet to the west. The remainder of the length alongside the Holy Donation will be 3 and 1 third miles to the east and 3 and 1 third miles to the west. It will run alongside the Holy Donation. Its produce will be work- food for the workers of the city. The city workers from all the tribes of Israel will cultivate it. The entire donation will be eight and one third miles by eight and one third miles. You are to set apart the holy donation along with the city property as a square area. The remaining area on both sides of the holy donation, the city property will belong to the prince. He will own the land adjacent to the tribal portions, next to the eight and one third miles of the donation as far as the eastern border, and next to the eight. Eight and one third miles of the donation as far as the western border. Whew. The holy donation in the sanctuary of the temple will be in the middle of it. Except for the Levitical property and the city property in the middle of the area belonging to the prince, the area between the territory of Judah and that of Benjamin will belong to the prince. As for the rest of the tribes, from the east side to the west will be Benjamin one portion. Next to the territory of Benjamin, from the east side to the west, will be Simeon, one portion. Next to the territory of Simeon, from the east side to the west, will be Ishkar, one portion. Next to the territory of Ishkar, from the east side to the west, will be Zebulun, one portion. Next to the territory of Zebulun, from the east side to the west, will be Gad, one portion. Next to the territory of Gad, toward the south side, the border will run from Tamar to the waters of Meribath Kadesh to the brook of Egypt and out to the Mediterranean Sea. This is the land you are to allot as an inheritance to Israel's tribes, and these will be their portions. This is a declaration of the Lord God. These are the exits of the city. On the north side, which measures one and a half miles, there will be three gates facing north, the gates of the city being named for the tribes of Israel, one the gate of Reuben, one the gate of Judah, and one the gate of Levi. On the east side, which is one and a half miles, there will be three gates. One the gate of Joseph, one the gate of Benjamin, and one the gate of Dan. On the south side, which measures one and a half miles, there will be three gates. One the gate of Simeon, one the gate of Ishkar, and one the gate of Zebulun. On the west side, which is one and a half miles, there will be three gates. I got confused there for a second. There will be three gates. One the gate of Gad, one the gate of Asher, and one the gate of Naphtali. The perimeter of the city will be six miles, and the name of the city from that day on will be Yahweh is there. And then we read Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 17 to 21. In the twenty-seventh year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made his army labour strenuously against Tyre. Every head was made bald and every shoulder chafed, but he and his army received no compensation from Tyre for the labour he expended against it. Therefore this is what the Lord God says, I am going to give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who will carry off its wealth, seizing its spoil and taking its plunder. This will be his army's compensation. I have given him the land of Egypt as the pay he laboured for, since they worked for me. This is the declaration of the Lord God. In that day I will cause a horn to sprout for the house of Israel, and I will enable you to speak out among them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And then we read Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 1 to 19, to finish today. 
the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy and say, This is what the Lord God says. Wheel, alas for the day, for a day is near, a day belonging to the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. A sword will come against Egypt, and there will be anguish and cush when the slain fall in Egypt, and its wealth is taken away, and its foundations are torn down. Cush, Put, and Lud, and all the various foreign troops, plus Libya and the men of a covenant land, will fall by the sword along with them. This is what the Lord says. Those who support Egypt will fall, and its proud strength will collapse. From Migdol to Syene there will fall within it by the sword. This is the declaration of the Lord God. They will be desolate among desolate lands, and their cities will lie among ruined cities. They will know that I am the Lord when I set fire to Egypt and its allies are shattered. On that day messengers will go out from me in ships to terrify confident Cush. Anguish will come over them on the day of Egypt's doom, for indeed it is coming. This is what the Lord God says. I will put an end to the hordes of Egypt by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He, along with his people, ruthless men from the nations, will be brought in to destroy the land. They will draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. I will make the streams dry and sell the land into the hands of evil men. I will bring desolation on the land and everything in it by the hands of foreigners. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord God says. I will destroy the idols and put an end to the false gods in Memphis. There will no longer be a prince from the land of Egypt, so I will instill fear in that land. I will make Pathros desolate, set fire to Zoan, and execute judgments on Thebes. I will pour out my wrath on Pelusium and the stronghold of Egypt, and will wipe out the crowds of Thebes. I will set fire to Egypt, Pelusium will writhe in anguish, Thebes will be breached, and Memphis will face foes in broad daylight. The young men of On and Pebeseth will fall by the sword, and those cities will go into captivity. The day will be dark in Tiphanes, and when I break the yoke of Egypt there, and its proud strength comes to an end in the city. A cloud will cover Tiphanes, and its villages will go into captivity. So I will execute judgments against Egypt, and they will know that I am the Lord. And there we finish day 247. Day 248, and we go back into Daniel, parts of Daniel, um, with a little bit of Second Kings and Jeremiah thrown in. But we begin at chapter 4, verse 4, and go through to verse 37. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they may make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the diviner priests, mediums, Chaldeans and astrologers came in, I told them the dream but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel named Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream. Belshazzar, head of the diviners, because I know that you have a spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. In the visions of my mind as I was lying in bed I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew large and strong and its top reached to the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit was abundant and on it was food for all. 
Wild animals found shelter under it, the birds of the air lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. As I was lying in my bed, I also saw in the visions of my mind an observer, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called out loudly, Cut down the tree and chop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of iron and bronze around it in the tender grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with the animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. This word is by decree of the observers. The matter is a command from the holy ones. This is so the living will know that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to anyone he wants and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because none of the wise men of my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me. But you can, because you have the spirit of the holy gods. Then Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was stunned for a moment, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king said, Belshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, may the dream apply to those who hate you and its interpretation to your enemies. The tree you saw which grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals lived, and in its branches the birds of the airs lived. That tree is you, the king, for you have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown and even reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the ends of the earth. The king saw an observer, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of iron and bronze around it in the tender grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share food with the wild animals for seven periods of time. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the sentence of the Most High that has been passed against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time, until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to anyone he wants. As for the command to leave the tree's stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore may my advice seem good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity." All this happened in Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaimed, Is not Babylon the great that I have built by my vast power to be a royal residence and to display my majestic glory? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals, and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to anyone he wants. At that moment the sentence against Nebuchadnezzar was executed. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of those days I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honoured and glorified him who lives forever. 
For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of earth. There is no one who can hold his hand or say to him, What have you done? At that time my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisers and my nobles sought me out. I was re-established over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of Heaven, because all his works are true and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Then we read Second Kings chapter 25, verse 27 to 30. On the twenty-seventh day of the twelfth month and the thirty-seventh year of the exile of Judah's king Jehoiachin, Vilmerodach, king of Babylon, in the year he became king, pardoned king Jehoiachin of Judah and released him from prison. He spoke kindly to him and set his throne over the thrones of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed his prison clothes and he dined regularly in the presence of the king of Babylon for the rest of his life. As for his allowance... A regular allowance was given to him by the king a portion for each day for the rest of his life. And Jeremiah 52 verse 31 to 34. On the twenty-fifth day of the twelfth month of the thirty-seventh year of the exile of Judah's king Jehoiachin, Evil Merodach king of Babylon in the first year of his reign pardoned king Jehoiachin of Judah and released him from the prison. He spoke kindly to him and set his throne over the thrones of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed his prison clothes, and he dined regularly in the presence of the king of Babylon for the rest of his life. As for his allowance, a regular allowance was given to him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day until the day of his death, for the rest of his life. And then we read Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 to 14 to finish today. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream with visions in his mind as he was laying in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and here is a summary of his account. Daniel said, In my vision at night I was watching, and suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. Four huge beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, but had eagle's wings. I continued watching until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground, set on its feet like a man, and given a human mind. Suddenly another beast appeared, a second one that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up, gorge yourself on flesh. While I was watching another beast appeared, it was like a leopard with four wings of a bird in its back. It had four heads and was given authority to rule. While I was watching in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful with incredibly strong and large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and it trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the beasts before it, and it had ten horns. While I was considering the horns, suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. There were eyes in this horn like a man's, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire, its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was convened and the books were open. I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words the horn was speaking. 
As I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their authority to rule was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. I continued watching in the night visions and saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom, so that those of every people, nation and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. And there we end, day 248. Day 249, we continue in Daniel, but with a lot of other bits and pieces thrown in, which we'll work through as we go along, but we start in Daniel chapter 7, verse 15 to 28. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was deeply distressed within me, and the visions in my mind terrified me. I approached one of those who were standing by and asked him the true meaning of all this, so he let me know the interpretation of these things. These huge beasts, four in number, are four kings who will rise from the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one different from all the others, extremely terrifying, with iron teeth and bronze claws, devouring, crushing and trampling with its feet whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke arrogantly, and that was more visible than the others. As I was watching, this horn made war with the holy ones and was prevailing over them, until the Ancient of Days arrived and a judgment was given in favour of the Holy Ones of the Most High, for the time had come and the Holy Ones took possession of the kingdom. This is what he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down and crush it. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another, different from the previous ones, will rise after them and subdue three kings. He will speak words against the Most High and oppress the Holy Ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws and the Holy Ones will be handed over to him for a time, times and half a time. But the court will convene and his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. The kingdom, dominion and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, the Holy Ones of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will serve and obey him. This is the end of the interpretation. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts terrified me greatly and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Then we read Psalm 67, verse 1 to 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Look on us with favour, so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations in the earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Psalm 123, verse 1 to 4. I left my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes in his master's hand, like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favour. Show us favour, Lord, show us favour, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. 
and Psalm 130, verse 1 to 8. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you considered sins, who would stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. He will redeem Israel from all its sins. And Psalm 137, verse 1 to 9. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. There we hung up our lyres in the poplar trees, for our captives there asked us for songs and our tormentors for rejoicing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem as my greatest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites said that day at Jerusalem. Destroy it, destroy it, down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who pays you back what you have done to us. Happy is he too who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Then we read Daniel chapter 8 verse 1 to 27. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after the one that had appeared to me earlier. I saw the vision and as I watched I was in the fortress city of Susa in the province of Elam. I saw in the vision that I was beside the Ulai canal. I looked up and there was a ram standing beside the canal. He had two horns. The two horns were long, but one was longer than the other, and the longer one came up last. I saw the ram charging to the west, the north, and the south. No animal could stand against it, and there was no rescue from his power. He did whatever he wanted and became great. As I was observing, a male goat appeared, coming from the west across the surface of the entire earth without touching the ground. The goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and rushed at him with savage fury. I saw him approaching the ram and infuriated with him he struck the ram shattering his two horns and the ram was not strong enough to stand against him. The goat threw him to the ground and trampled him and there was no one to rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat became very great but when he became powerful a large horn was shattered. Four conspicuous horns came up in its place, pointing toward the four winds of heaven. From one of them a little horn emerged and grew extensively toward the south and the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew as high as the heavenly host, made some of the stars and some of the host fall to the earth and trampled them. It made itself great, even up to the prince of the host. It removed his daily sacrifice and overthrew the place of his sanctuary. Because of rebellion, a host together with the daily sacrifice will be given over. The horn will throw truth to the ground and will be successful in whatever it does. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the speaker, How long will the events of this vision last? The daily sacrifice, the rebellion that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and of the host to the trampled. He said to me, For two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be restored. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there stood before me someone who appeared to be a man. I heard a human voice calling from the middle of the Uli, Gabriel, explain the vision to this man. So he approached where I was standing. 
When he came near, I was terrified and fell face down. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision refers to the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me, made me stand up and said, I am here to tell you what will happen at the conclusion of the time of wrath, because it refers to the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes represents the first king. The four horns that took the place of the shattered horn represent four kingdoms. They will rise from that nation, but without its power. Near the end of their kingdoms, when the rebels have reached the full measure of their sin, an insolent king, skilled in intrigue, will come to the throne. His power will be great, but it will not be his own. He will cause terrible destruction and succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the powerful along with the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper through his cunning and by his influence, and in his own mind he will make himself great. In a time of peace he will destroy many. He will even stand against the prince of princes. But he will be shattered not by human hands. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, now you must seal up the vision because it refers to many days in the future. I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it. Then we read Isaiah chapter 13 verse 17 to 22. Look, I am stirring up the Medes against them, who cannot be bought off with silver and have no desire for gold. Their bows will cut young men to pieces. They will have no compassion on little ones. They will not look with pity on children. And Babylon, the jewel of the kingdoms, the glory of the pride of the Chaldeans, will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. A nomad will not pitch his tent there, and the shepherds will not let their flocks rest there. But wild animals will lie down there. The oils will fill the houses. Ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will howl in the fortresses, and jackals in the luxurious palaces. Babylon's time is almost up, her days are almost over. Then we read Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12 to 14. When the seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. This is the Lord's declaration. The land of the Chaldeans for their guilt, and I will make it a ruin forever. I will bring in that land all my words I have spoken against it. All it is written in this book that Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings will enslave them, and I will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. And then we read Jeremiah 50 verse 1 to 8 to finish today. The word the Lord spoke about Babel on the land of the Chaldeans through Jeremiah the prophet. Announce to the nations, proclaim and rise up a signal flag, proclaim and hide nothing. Say, Babylon is captured, Bel is put to shame, Marduk is devastated, her idols are put to shame, her false gods devastated. For a nation from the north will come against her, it will make her land desolate, no one will be living in it, both man and beast will escape. In those days and at that time, this is the Lord's declaration, the Israelites and Judeans will come together weeping as they come and will seek the Lord their God. They will ask about Zion, turning their faces to this road. They will come and join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. My people are lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, guiding them the wrong way in the mountains. 
They have wandered from mountain to hill, they have forgotten their resting place. All who found them devoured them, their adversaries said, were not guilty, instead they have sinned against the Lord, their righteous grazing land, the hope of their ancestors, the Lord. Escape from Babylon, depart from the Chaldeans' land, be like the rams that lead the flock. And there we end, day 249. Day 250, and we actually continue through Jeremiah now from chapter 50, verse 9, through to chapter 51, verse 35. And so today is simply going through those chapters where we begin at chapter 50, verse 9. For I will soon stir up and bring against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. They will line up in battle formation against her. From there she will be captured. Their arrows will be like those of a skilled warrior who does not return empty-handed. The Chaldeans will become plunder, all her plunderers will be fully satisfied. This is the Lord's declaration. Because you rejoice, because you sing in triumph, you who plundered my inheritance, because you frolic like a young cow treading grain and neigh like stallions, your mother will be utterly humiliated, she who bore you will be put to shame. Look, she will lag behind all the nations, a dry land, a wilderness, an Arabah. Because of the Lord's wrath she will not be inhabited, she will become a desolation, every bit of her. Everyone who passes through Babylon will be horrified and scoff because of all her wounds. Line up in battle formation around Babylon, all you archers. Shoot at her, do not spare an arrow, for she has sinned against the Lord. Raise a war cry against her on every side. She has thrown up her hands in surrender, her defence towers have fallen, her walls are demolished. Since this is the Lord's vengeance, take out your vengeance on her. As she has done, do the same to her. Cut off the sower from Babylon, as well as him who wields the sickle at harvest time. Because of the oppressor's sword, each will turn to his own people, each will flee to his own land. Israel is a stray lamb chased by lions. The first who devoured him was the king of Assyria, the last who has crunched his bones was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Therefore this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says. I am about to punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. I will return Israel to his grazing land, and he will feed in Carmel and Bashan. He will be satisfied in the hill country of Ephraim and of Gilead. In those days and at that time, this is the Lord's declaration. One will search for Israel's guilt, but there will be none, and for Judah's sins, but they will not be found. For I will forgive those I leave as a remnant." Go against the land of Marathaim and against those living in Pekod. Put them to the sword, completely destroy them. This is the Lord's declaration. Do everything I have commanded you. The sound of war is in the land, a great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth is cut down and smashed. What a horror Babylon has become among the nations. Babylon, I laid a trap for you and you were caught, but you did not even know it. You were found and captured because you fought against the Lord. The Lord opened his armory and brought out his weapons of wrath because it is a task of the Lord God of hosts in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from the most distant places. Open her granaries, pile her up like mounds of grain and completely destroy her. Leave her no survivors. Put all her young bulls to the sword. Let them go down to the slaughter. Woe to them because their day has come, the time of their punishment. There is a voice of fugitives and escapees from the land of Babylon announcing in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance for his temple. Summon the archers to Babylon, all who string the bow, camp all around her, let no escape. 
repay her according to her deeds, just as she has done do the same to her, for she has acted arrogantly against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel. Therefore her young men will fall in her public squares, all the warriors will be silenced in that day. This is the Lord's declaration. Look, I am against you, you arrogant one. This is the declaration of the Lord God of hosts, because your day has come, the time when I will punish you. The arrogant will stumble and fall with no one to pick them up. I will set fire to his cities and it will consume everything around him. This is what the Lord of hosts says. Israelites and Judeans alike have been oppressed. All their captors hold them fast. They refuse to release them. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will fervently plead their case so that he might bring rest to the earth but turmoil to those who live in Babylon. A sword is over the Chaldeans. This is the Lord's declaration. Against all those who live in Babylon, against her officials and against her sages. A sword is against the diviners and they will act foolishly. A sword is against her heroic warriors and they will be terrified. A sword is against his horses and chariots and against all the foreigners among them and they will be like women. A sword is against her treasuries and they will be plundered. A drought will come on her waters and they will be dried up, for it is a land of carved images and they go mad because of terrifying things. Therefore desert creatures will live with jackals and ostriches will also live in her. It will never again be inhabited or lived in through all generations. Just as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbouring towns, this is the Lord's declaration, so no one will live there, no human being will even stay in it as a resident alien. Look, a people comes from the north, a great nation, and many kings will be stirred up from the remote regions of the earth. They grasp bow and javelin, they are cruel and show no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea, and they ride on horses, lined up like men in battle formation against you, daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard reports about them, and his hands fall helpless. Distress has seized him, pain like a woman in labour. Look, it will be like a lion coming up from the thickets of the Jordan to the perennially watered grazing land. Indeed, I will chase Babylon away from her land in a flash. I will appoint whoever is chosen for her, for who is like me, who will summon me, who is the shepherd who can stand against me. Therefore hear the plans that the Lord has drawn up against Babylon, and the strategies he has devised against the land of the Chaldeans. Certainly the flock's little lambs will be dragged away, Certainly the grazing land will be made desolate because of them. At the sound of Babylon's conquest, the earth will quake. A cry will be heard among the nations. This is what the Lord says. I am about to stir up a destructive wind against Babylon and against the population of leb Kamai. I will send strangers to Babylon who will scatter her and strip her land bare, for they will come against her from every side in the day of disaster. Don't let the archer string his bow. Don't let him pour out on his armour. Don't spare her young men, completely destroy her entire army. Those who were slain will fall on the land of the Chaldeans, those who were pierced through in her streets. For Israel and Judah are not left widowed by their God, the Lord of hosts, though their land is full of guilt against the Holy One of Israel. Leave Babylon, save your lives, each of you. Don't be silenced by her guilt, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will pay her what she deserves. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand, making the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations go mad. Suddenly Babylon fell and was shattered. Wheel for her, get balm for her wound, perhaps she can be healed.
We tried to heal Babylon, but she could not be healed. Abandoned her. Let each of us go to his own land, for her judgments extend the skies and reaches as far as the clouds. The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let's tell in Zion what the Lord our God has accomplished. Sharpen the arrows, fill the quivers. The Lord has put it into the mind of the kings of the Medes, because his plan is aimed at Babylon to destroy her. For it is the Lord's vengeance, vengeance for his temple. Raise up a signal flag against the walls of Babylon. Fortify the watchpost. Set the watchman in place. Prepare the ambush. For the Lord has both planned and accomplished what he has threatened against those who live in Babylon. You who reside by many waters, rich in treasures, your end has come, your life thread is cut. The Lord of hosts has sworn by himself, I will fill you up with men as with locusts, and they will sing the victory song over you. He made the earth by his power, established the world by his wisdom, and spread out the heavens by his understanding. When he thunders, the waters in the heavens are in turmoil, and he causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. Everyone is stupid and ignorant. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his carved image. For his cast images are a lie, there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work to be mocked. At the time of their punishment they will be destroyed. Jacob's portion is not like these, because he is the one who formed all things. Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. You are my battle club, my weapons of war. With you I will smash nations, with you I will bring kingdoms to ruin. With you I will smash the horse and its rider, with you I will smash the chariot and its rider. With you I will smash man and woman, with you I will smash the old man and the youth. With you I will smash the young man and the virgin. With you I will smash the shepherd and his flock. With you I will smash the farmer and his ox team. With you I will smash governors and officials. I will repay Babylon and all the residents of Chaldea for all their evil and for all they have done in Zion before your very eyes. This is the Lord's declaration. Look, I am against you, devastating mountain. This is the Lord's declaration. You devastate the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down from the cliffs and turn you into a burned-out mountain. No one will be able to retrieve a cornerstone or a foundation stone from you because you will become desolate forever. This is the Lord's declaration. Raise a signal flag in the land, blow a ram's horn among the nations. Set apart the nations against her, summon kingdoms against her, Ararat, Mini and Ashkenaz. Appoint a marshal against her, bring her horses like a swarm of locusts. Set apart the nations for battle against her, the kings of Media, her governors and all her officials and all the lands they rule. The earth quakes and trembles because the Lord's purposes against Babylon stand to make the land of Babylon an uninhabited desolation. Babylon's warriors have stopped fighting. They sit in their strongholds. Their might is exhausted. They have become like women. Babylon's homes have been set ablaze. Her gate bars are shattered. Messenger races to meet messenger and herald to meet herald to announce to the king of Babylon that his city has been captured from end to end. The forts have been seized, the marshes set on fire, and the soldiers are terrified. For this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says. The daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor at the time it is trampled, in just a little while while her harvest time will come. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has devoured me, he has crushed me, he has set me aside like an empty dish, he has swallowed me like a sea monster, he filled his belly with my delicacies and has vomited me out. 
Thus says the inhabitant of Zion, Let the violence done to me and my family be done to Babylon. Let my blood be on the inhabitants of Chaldea, says Jerusalem. And there we end, day 250. Day 251, and we continue through Jeremiah, and then also into a little bit of Daniel. But we begin at Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 36 to verse 64. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to plead your case and take vengeance on your behalf. I will dry up her sea and make her fountain run dry. Babylon will become a heap of rubble, a jackal's den, a desolation and an object of scorn without inhabitant. They will roar together like young lions. They will growl like lion cubs. While they are flushed with heat, I will serve them a feast and I will make them drunk so that they revel. Then they will fall asleep forever and never wake up. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams together with male goats. How Shishash has been captured, the praise of the whole earth seized. What a horror Babylon has become among the nations. The sea has risen over Babylon, she is covered with its turbulent waves. Her cities have become a desolation, a dry and arid land, a land where no one lives, where no human being passes through. I will punish Bel in Babylon. I will make him vomit what he swallowed. The nations will no longer stream to him. Even Babylon's wall will fall. Come out from among her, my people. Save your lives, each of you, from the Lord's burning anger. May you not become faint-hearted and fearful when the report is proclaimed in the land. For the report will come one year and then another the next year. There will be violence in the land with ruler against ruler. Therefore, look... The days are coming when I will punish Babylon's carved images. Her entire land will suffer shame and all her slain will lie fallen within her. Heaven and earth and everything in them will shout for joy over Babylon because the destroyers from the north will come against her. This is the Lord's declaration. Babylon must fall because of the slain of Israel even as the slain of all the earth fell because of Babylon. You who have escaped the sword, go and do not stand still. Remember the Lord from far away and let Jerusalem come to your mind. We are ashamed because we have heard insults. Humiliation covers our faces because foreigners have entered the holy places of the Lord's temple. Therefore, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will punish her carved images and the wounded will groan throughout her land. Even if Babylon should ascend to the heavens and fortify her tall fortresses, destroyers will come against her from me. This is the Lord's declaration. The sound of a cry from Babylon, the sound of great destruction from the land of the Chaldeans. For the Lord is going to devastate Babylon. He will silence her mighty voice, their waves roar like turbulent waters, the tumult of her voice resounds. For a destroyer is coming against her, against Babylon." Her warriors will be captured, their bows shattered, for the Lord is a God of retribution. He will certainly repay. I will make her princes and sages drunk, along with her governors, officials and warriors. Then they will fall asleep forever and never wake up. This is the king's declaration, the Lord of hosts is his name. This is what the Lord of hosts says. Babylon's thick walls will be totally demolished and her high gates consumed by fire. The peoples will have laboured for nothing. The nations will exhaust themselves only to feed the fire. Jeremiah wrote in one scroll about all the disaster that would come to Babylon. All these words were written against Babylon. 
Jeremiah told Sariah, When you go, go to Babylon, see that you read all these words aloud. You must say, Lord, you have threatened to cut off this place so that no one will live in it, man or beast. Indeed, it will remain desolate forever. When you have finished reading this scroll, tie a stone to it and throw it into the middle of the Euphrates River. Then say, In the same way Babylon will sink and never rise again because of the disaster I am bringing on her. They will grow weary. The words of Jeremiah end here. Then we read Daniel chapter 5 verse 1 to verse 31. King Belshazzar held a great feast for one thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles' wives and concubines could drink from them. So they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, wives and concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. At that moment the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. As the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that his hip joints shook and his knees knocked together. The king called out to bring in the mediums, Chaldeans and astrologers. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck and have the third highest position in the kingdom. So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make known its interpretation to him. Then King Belshazzar became even more terrified. His face turned pale and his nobles were bewildered. Because of the outcry of the king and his nobles, the queen came to the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor he was found to have insight, intelligence and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the diviners, mediums, Chaldeans and astrologers. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one the king named Belshazzar, was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and perception, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve problems. Therefore summon Daniel and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king said to him, Are you Daniel? Daniel? Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that my predecessor the king brought from Judah. I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods in you and that you have insight, intelligence and extraordinary wisdom. Now the wise men and mediums were brought before me to read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not give its interpretation. However, I heard about you that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Therefore, if you can read this inscription and give me its interpretation, you will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around your neck and have the third highest position in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Your Majesty, the Most High God, gave sovereignty, greatness, glory and majesty to your predecessor Nebuchadnezzar. Because of the greatness he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages were terrified and fearful of him. He killed anyone he wanted and kept alive anyone he wanted. He exalted anyone he wanted and humbled anyone he wanted. 
But when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was disposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven away from people, his mind was like an animal's. He lived with the wild donkeys, he was fed grass like cattle and his body was drenched with dew from the sky. Until he acknowledged that the Most High God is ruler over the kingdom of men and sets anyone he wants over it. But you, his successor Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart even though you knew all this. Instead you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels from his house were brought to you, and as you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank wine from them, you praised the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand, and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed. This is a writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel means that you have been weighed in the balance and found deficient. And Perez means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave an order and they clothed Daniel in purple, placed a gold chain around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. Then we read Isaiah chapter 44 verse 28. Who says to Cyrus, my shepherd, he will fulfill all my pleasure and say to Jerusalem, she will be rebuilt and of the temple its foundation will be laid. And Daniel chapter 1 verse 21. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And Daniel 11 verse 1. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to strengthen and protect him. And there we end, day 251. Day 252, and we continue through Daniel. Also a couple of Psalms thrown in, or a Psalm, two Psalms, three Psalms, three Psalms, and then into Ezra. But we begin at Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 to 27. In the first year of Darius, who was the son of Ahasuerus, was a Mede by birth and was ruler over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be seventy. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keeps his commandments. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commandments and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel. Those who are near and those who are far, in all the countries where you have dispersed them because of the disloyalty they have shown toward you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his instructions that he sent before us through his servants the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. 
The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing on us to so great a disaster that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not appeased the Lord our God by turning from our injustice and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made your name renowned as it is this day, we have sinned, we have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the injustices of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Show your favour to your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see your desolations, and the city called by your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my petition before Yahweh my God concerning the holy mountain of my God, while I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me this explanation. Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your petitions an answer went out, and I have come to give it, for you are treasured by God. So consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city, to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to wipe away injustice, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. After those sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming Prince will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come with a flood, and until the end there will be war. Desolations are decreed. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering and the abomination of desolation will be in a wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. And then Psalm 102, verse 1 to 28. Lord, hear my prayer. Let my cry for help come before you. Do not hide your face from me in my day of trouble. Listen closely to me. Answer me quickly when I call. For my days vanish like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is afflicted, withered like grass. I even forget to eat my food. Because of the sound of my groaning, my flesh sticks to my bones. I am like a desert oil, like an oil among the ruins. I stay awake, I am like a solitary bird on a roof. My enemies taunt me all day long, they ridicule and curse me. I eat ashes like bread and mingle my drinks with tears because of your indignation and wrath. For you have picked me up and thrown me aside. My days are like a lengthening shadow and I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your fame endures to all generations. 
You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. The appointed time has come. For your servants take delight in its stones and favour its dust. Then the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion. He will appear in his glory. He will pay attention to the prayer of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. This will be written for a later generation and a newly created people will praise the Lord. He looked down from his holy heights. The Lord gazed out from heaven to earth to hear a prisoner's groaning, to set free those condemned to die, so that they might declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when peoples and kingdoms are assembled to serve the Lord. He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. I say, my God, do not take me in the middle of my life. Your years continue through all generations. Long ago you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years will never end. Your servants' children will dwell securely and their offspring will be established before you. Then we read Ezra chapter 5 verse 13. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, he issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. And Second Chronicles 36 verse 22 to 23. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The Lord put it into the mind of King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and also to put it into writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever among you of his people may go up and may the Lord his God be with him. And then Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 to 4. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The Lord put it into the mind of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it into writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever is among his people, may his God be with him. And may he go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he lives, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods and livestock, along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. And Psalm 126, verse 1-6 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like watercourses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. And Psalm 85, verse 1 to 13. Lord, you showed favour to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. 
Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together, righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. And Ezra chapter 1 verses 5 to 6 to finish today. So the family leaders of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone God had motivated, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbours supported them with silver articles, gold, goods, livestock and valuables, in addition to all that was given as a free will offering. There we end days 252 and week 36.